What will it mean if Offaly can win a third McCarthy Cup on Sunday? It mean a hell of a lot of drinking, Jerry. <laughs> <laughs> His father, Brendan, was a champion Gaelic football, part of the All-Ireland Championship team in 1982. And oh, a magnificent spot! Billy Julie! But certainly, as a naughty man, I don't think anybody give note about all players. Championship weekend, the sun is peeking out intermittently between the clouds and we are back here on We Are Offaly. My name is Kevin Egan, delighted to have you here with me and my apologies for the enforced absence over the last few weeks but we're definitely back with a bang now. I'm delighted to welcome on board Mr Brian Gavin to be part of this podcast from now on. He's going to be sharing his thoughts with me as we go through everything that happens throughout the summer. Brian, obviously, as all of you are well aware, anyone who's involved in Offaly GA no doubt will have played in a match that Brian refereed at some stage. He went all the way to referee four All-Ireland Senior Hurling Finals, also heavily involved, chairman of his Clara GA club, now a columnist with the Irish Examiner and definitely a man with plenty of insights. So I'm honoured and privileged to have him on board I'll play this week's call with him very, very shortly. But just to say, great to have him. And I hope definitely it hits the mark with all yourselves. As always, you can get me on weareoffly at gmail.com. Weareoffly on Twitter. Be delighted to have you on board. And I'm looking forward to the summer. So here we go. Brian, thanks so much for coming on board. And uh, first of all, how's life been treating you since you've decided to go a lot easier with the whistle? Yeah, I actually feel good about it, Kevin. Um, things are a little bit different naturally enough. And uh, the days of me treat, <laughs> training three or four times a week is over. But still doing a piece and still refereeing an awfully. And uh, looking forward now to working on the, with an Irish camera on a column of a Monday about refereeing matters. And... Uh, doing a bit with yourself in the future and of course Midlands 103 and the local sport which is providing fantastic local coverage as well so yeah I've been kept busy in German and Clara so uh, busy as always Kevin busy as always absolutely absolutely it's a, it ju- just before we go into the Offaly games this weekend just to touch on the idea of the column there I think it's it's very interesting I, I noticed this week the um, people were being very proactive they were kind of coming out and talking about how they're going to be an awful lot stricter on head high tackles and stuff like that this year. Um, you know, I mean, it's it, it's good to see stuff like that being communicated so teams can actually kind of factor it into their preparations and so on. What kind of instructions do you give to, you know, or let me rephrase that. When you're being prepared for stuff like that, what is it? Do you get sit down and do you be sit down in a room and be told, okay, this is what we're going to do differently this year or would top level referees have an input in stuff like that? Yeah, what usually would happen before any championship is you would review your league uh, performances and we'd deal with something that's maybe getting out of hand or something we need to tighten up and or something maybe that we're overdoing and we need to relax on it a bit. So at the, the seminar which would lead you into the championship, that would be the main topic when you have your championship panel picked and you have them in the room after doing the fitness test the next Saturday morning in Crow Park with the championship loon within the next two weeks. You would go over the hurling and football topics and what you need to do. I remember one time we were actually letting a bit much go on hurling as in the striking, and Pat McEnany, who was chairman at the time, told us to tidy up. And we did, and the message got out good and clear uh, to, to the teams. But 
as you said, this week at least Willie Barrett has come out and raised a few issues, like in hurling in particular, going to be uh, emphasising, you know, this holding of the hurl and holding of the arm. And uh, it, it could feature probably, you know, in the first two or three weeks, but you wouldn't want to overdo the whistling on the lighter. You wouldn't want to be over pussy on it. But it's an area that's reckoned has to clamp down, and along with the helmet issue, which was raised last year. So, you know, every so often when the problem arises in the referee and the clamp down, at least this time Willie Barrett has come down uh, out and says what they're targeting. And in football, it's a melee, and the third man in is the real problem, mm. and also the head high tackles. And it's it's good because the head high tackles because you can catch a lad around the neck and he might go to ground, and people are crying out for a black card. That's either a yellow card, and if it's deemed dangerous enough, it's a red card. It's, the one thing it's not is a black card, you know. So that's good that people will know that in the coming weeks, you know. Absolutely, absolutely. Well, look, I'm sure we'll see fairly quickly, um, certainly at the start of the championship is when there tends to be a few teeth and problems with these things, usually by the time July and August rolls around. Uh, players and managers are a bit more familiar with any new rules that are in place, but... Look, from from an awfully point of view, things definitely get off with a bang this week. Obviously, we'll have to go top billing to the hurlers this weekend. Um, it's huge, huge test for them. Off, uh, Galway coming to O'Connor Park in Tullamore. What are you expecting? Um, I'm expecting it, it's not going to be the 20 or 25 point rubbing that we're, used, we're sort of used to in the last maybe two or three years. Um, what really has happened and what the changes here is, is that, like, fortunately enough from my own point of view, would you believe, and I'm sort of happy now at the time when you're on a committee like that to review and pick a manager, you know, you're, you're wondering, have we got the right man and is this the right man? And look, when we sat down, myself and Pat Flory, Tommy Byrne, uh, Martin Cash and Eamon Cusick at the time to pick a manager, you know, um, we did circle a lot of names. What, there was a few of us in particular were anxious that it had to be someone from Offaly, that we thought one of the things we were missing was a bit of passion and a bit of bite about the jersey in particular. And it was easy for someone from outside Offaly looking in to maybe look, I'll go into Offaly and I'll try and get them a little bit competitive but curtail the score. With Kevin Martin, um, it's a way different ball game for the simple reason. He he was a huge hurling, passionate man himself when he was hurling. He would never miss a training. His fitness levels, his you know whole approach to hurling, was uh, different and to win a championship with Tullamore when he won it like was a phenomenal you know achievement mm, so we, we yeah so we knew I think what Kevin Martin he was, what he was going to do was and when we interviewed him the first thing he says I want everyone back hurling for Offley and you know that was a huge positive straight away because there was a good few lads missing last year and we know why they were missing so that was that was a no-brainer from the world goal you know yeah I, I think I, I have to say I'm kind of I wouldn't go so far as to say I'm hopeful of a win or anything like that but I'm definitely as you say like last year was 33 points to 111 I don't expect anything remotely like that in the sense that I, I think even aside from where that Hoffley themselves are in a much better position in general I think hurling against a team like Galway possibly suits this particular Offaly side a little bit better than taking on a running team like a Waterford or a Wexford something like that that you know Galway they have the best hurlers in the country so it's very very easy for Michal Donoghue he sets them up in a very traditional fashion Joe Canning drops a little bit deeper plays as a playmaker but ultimately they're very much about winning individual battles and albeit not with the same level of you know with the same level of all-star ability that's pretty much the way Kevin Martin sets up his team as well we've gone very much away from sweepers and all that kind of stuff which I think most most awfully people are delighted to see so in that regard, 
I think the type of game Galway will try and play should suit Offaly a little bit. Or, on the other hand, are we playing into Galway's hands by not dropping guys back? No, the big thing with Offaly this year is, you know, we've gone for, like, I'd say apart from Galway, Offaly probably had the biggest physical forward, forward line in particular. You know, the Offaly six forwards are big men. And it, it takes the pressure off the back line when you have ball going up to a forward line. And it's not coming back down to you fairly quick, like which it would be when you have sweepers in system. And we were playing, you know, fellas around the middle of the field, and then they were going sweeping. And they weren't the biggest men in the world, but at least now, you know, under Emma Deegan, awfully physical fitness is a lot, lot better. Now it's probably not up to where it has to be with the likes of Galway, Waterford, all them, but it has improved dramatically. And you know, we see the shape of Joe Bergen, Shane Dooley in particular, the stalwarts of the team, the Colin Egan's, the Conor Mahans, Dan Currams. These are in fantastic shape and they're on the road a long time, some of these lads, mm-hmm. but they're probably in the shape of their lives. And, you know, when you're in good form and you're physically fit and conditioned, even though you mightn't have the hurling of the opposition, you will make life a lot, lot tougher. And I noticed when I rested them in a challenge match lately against mm-hmm. Waterford, that Offaly was on top of Waterford every time they got the ball, they were hooking, they were blocking. It was something back what you saw, like the likes of Jerry Cochran doing years ago. So no one's saying we're going to win this game Saturday evening, but we're going to be very, very competitive for as long as we can. And, you know, as the home crowd, that's, I think, what Offaly supporters need. They want to be in the show with 15 or 20 minutes to go. They don't want to be 15 or 20 points down. They want to be in this game with 15 or 20 minutes to go. And I think if we get some sort of a start in the first 15, 20 minutes, a huge atmosphere. Like, Gala are going to bring a huge crowd. Every kid in Gala wants to come to the game because they're all Ireland champions. Their parents have to bring them. And, you know, it's awfully following his back. We saw it against Kilkenny in the league. We're, again, I'm going to say we might win the game, but I, I think we're going to... These guys are going to leave the dressing room Saturday, and I tell you one thing, they're going to give it everything. And that's all any Offaly supporter or anyone wants, you know. Mm. Absolutely. I, I think what's a huge thing as well, I was picking up on the fact that like last year, Galway won the All-Ireland and they didn't score goals. Like That wasn't their thing. Mm. Like I mean, like that against Offaly, 0-33 is an incredible scoreline that's extremely rare. And this year, it's pretty much the same. I mean, they got, I think they got two goals in a couple of games, but if I'm not mistaken, in the total of seven league games that they played or six league games, something like that, like they basically have averaged a goal a game so far. So kind of as the yeah. underdog, that always suits you. Because I remember, I think it was six years ago when Ollie Baker was in charge and there was a little bit of optimism going into a game against Galway because we had beaten Wexford in the quarterfinal. And next thing, Galway hit us for two or three goals in the first few minutes and things fell apart altogether. Like, even though this Galway team is a much better side, they're not really that kind of team. And I'm, I'm, I'm conscious of the fact that I could be tempting fate, like a good thing here. But at the yeah. same time, but at the same time, you like... I, I even I remember somebody was asking me what I expect here, and I I could almost see a situation where, okay, Galway win the match, but if if you gave me a chance to back Offaly to win, to score more goals in the game, I think I'd probably do it. Yeah, what happened is, see, when Galway won the league and, and Galway were coming the last couple of years, even the games against Tipperary, so some of the lesser teams were playing Galway, and the Ahmagli nearly set up with a sweeper, and Galway sort of realised this. Look, it's going to be harder to get goals. They, they were delighted then to start chipping away at the scores. Like you have the two Coonies in the forward line, you have Joe Canning, you'll have Johnny Lynn who won't be starting at the weekend, but he definitely feature in the second half. Uh, you have Cahill Mannion, you have um, Young Whelan in the corner. Mm. Like these are as good as forwards as out there. So Galway, really, David Burke will always take off two or three from the middle of the field. Of course, yeah. You know, so so that's where Galway were depending on Nasher. They knew they weren't going to open up the the the, the net like they would the last few years. So. 
you know, they realised, look, we could chip chipping away at the scoreboard and we're going to keep winning games. And they won a lot of games comfortably, even again, Wexford and Leinster finally know they were comfortable. But, you know, they have fans. The, the most important thing for Saturday is we're probably, you know, a little bit vulnerable in the half-back line. And I think we'll have a fresh and a different half-back line for this Saturday. But if Kevin, and I know Kevin, would, he'd have to get his match-ups right. You know, if you go through any intercounty game now, and when you sit down and do your match-ups, the 15 against 50, like your cornerback, like, in your, like Ben Keneally would probably pick up Whelan, uh, you know, and someone to pick up David Burke in the middle, and next thing, someone going and Joe Cannon. And when you start getting your match-ups right, you know, it gives the lads a bit of belief if they're winning their battles then or a 50-50. You know, if we can start winning all our other areas, it gives you a huge hope. So the matchups will be crucial on Saturday. But in saying that, we need to be in that game with 20 minutes to go. Mm. Oh, absolutely. Absolutely. Yeah. I mean, from a, is it a little bit easier for them as well, too? Because I think, or maybe players don't think like this. And I know Kevin certainly doesn't, he certainly doesn't talk like this publicly. Obviously, only Kevin himself knows what he thinks in private. But, I mean, a lot of people would say that at the end of the day, this season is going to boil down to the, the, the winnable games are the ones at home to Wexford and away to Dublin. They're the ones where Offaly can kind of consolidate, you know, confirm their place mm. in the Leinster Championship again next year. You know, do you go in with that mindset? Do you go in for the first two weeks and you say, look, this is this is almost free pass country. If we get something out of it, great. But there's no expectation this week and probably the same story in, in, in Nolan Park next weekend. You know, do, do you go in like that or do you actually try and go in with the mindset that you can win the game? Well, yeah, well, knowing Kevin and the players that, and, and you know, even talking to Shane Doolin and a few lads that I know, and I'd be at, uh, I'd be at an odd training every so often and uh, I'd be chatting to fellas. And, you know, the mindset is definitely to win every game. There's no doubt. There's no negative feeling. The only thing is, and Kevin would be, you know, he'd be good at this along with his backroom team. If we were not going to win the Galway game with 20 minutes to go or 25 minutes to go to the Kenny game, I can see him making a few substitutions to, say, mm. to keep lads fresh for the next two games. You know, everyone, I think everyone awfully barred of team and the management are, are looking at the Wexford Dublin game. Now, in saying that, I know for a fact in the last couple of weeks, Dublin have improved a good bit through recent challenge mm. matches. So, uh, the huge optimism that we might have going into Parnell Park, I, I'd be feeling, feeling a little bit more dangerous now than they did at the start of the year. But in saying, to answer your question, definitely Kevin will be targeting to be in this game with a few minutes to go. But if they're not, you can see changes being made and, you know, with the eye on the Wexford Dublin game for certain. Yeah, well, I, 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 can see why, I can see why they do that because, I mean, look, you know, maybe there's a little bit of conspiracy theorist in me. I, I was looking at the weekend of the way the Joe, I was at a couple of Joe McDonough Cup games last weekend and from national media point of view, the, it, it's 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 to say they fly under the radar is un, an understatement. Nobody paid the blindest bit of heed to them. And similarly, I think they've fairly established that there's a lot of counties that the GA wouldn't like to see go down into the German McDonough Cup. I think Offaly mm. is the one that would be seen as kind of no great loss on a national scale. Yeah. But and 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 then within that, you look at it, the two big games for Offaly are against Wexford, and Wexford will have had their bye week before they play Offaly, and then against Dublin, and Dublin will have had their bye week immediately the week before they play Offaly. So those two teams will be an awful lot more rested for those games mm. than Offaly will be. Which, look, as I said, conspiracy theory, maybe, maybe not, but I think it's something Kevin Martin will certainly have to factor into his plans. I'd imagine. Yeah, and that's why he carried so many players. You know, we usually were very strict in Aussie that we carry Turkey. And, you know, from a financial point of view, it is a big expense 
you know, and people, you know, Dublin and different counties won't have to worry about that, but people have to be real sometimes, and we give up about the county board, but it's a huge financial strain to keep 30 or 36 lads training. Plus, you've under-20s, you've minors, you've development squads, you've a whole lot of things, but in fairness to Tommy Byrne this year, and Kevin has carried maybe 36 players this year, with the intention, we know what's going to happen here now in four weeks, that, look, we have a panel of 34, 36 training, we know there's going to be injuries, and we still want to hurl 15 to 5 matches on the build-up to these matches. And that's what has happened. Even going back 5 or 6 weeks ago, I went up to doing 15 again, 15. And we had 4 or 5 lads on the line and you could bring them in and out. you know. And that's what we you know, awfully needed and, and counties like that. If you're scrimping on the panel of 27 or 8 with the 4 weeks you have ahead of you now, you're going to be under a bit of pressure. Because a dead leg, any sort of an injury at all, and you're gone for maybe 2 weeks. A suspension, you could miss a match. If it's bad enough, you'll miss two matches. So all these factors come into the equation. And awfully, uh, in fairness, I have to say, have carried the right players and the right number of players. That's for certain. Mm. Yeah, no, I think overall, look, Saturday evening will tell all, but certainly things are in a very positive place. Uh, if when we change tack and we move on to Sunday afternoon, things are a little bit different there now I mean again you have the contrast while the Offaly Hurlers are playing the best team in the country if we go by the league table the Offaly footballers are playing the worst team in the country Um, you know so it's a very different situation but Offaly for their part you know there's a lot of question marks over injuries again the contrast is huge as you say Kevin Martin made sure he got the best players involved I don't think anyone would argue that Stephen Wallace has had the best footballers in, in Offaly available to him the whole way through the year um, people are very wary about this game against Wicklow and I would suggest possibly with some justification Yeah definitely personnel wise definitely but when when I sat down to really look at it and I looked at the tables and, and I went through the Wicklow results like this would be catastrophic in my opinion if Offaly should lose this game Sunday in Portlaoise for a couple of reasons um, and, and we start probably with the biggest one that we're missing maybe 10 of last year's panel roughly 10 it could be actually mm. more um, then obviously you know Stephen Wallace won't be on the line on Sunday which is not, he's not good either and we, we maybe touch on that in a few minutes mm. um, you know and just there's no appetite we to believe from the supporters the support of the footballers at the moment and one would have to feel sorry and you know the players can sense this and they're not Egypt either and they know what's going on and they know the hurling has taken a good bit of momentum and it's hard now to be a modern day footballer in Offaly maybe in any other weaker county as we speak but in particular I do feel sorry for some of the Offaly footballers because they are training as hard they're given a huge commitment some of their colleagues have retired or and some of them have just let them down and haven't sorted out their grievances and, and they're going out there and they want to definitely be wicked there's no doubt but as you said, it just leaves that little bit of gap closer that we think Wicklow can get close to Offaly and probably can. Like, I'd be hoping for a four, five, six-point win, but if we had everyone in Offaly playing football and we had a full panel and everything going well, you'd be saying to yourself, look, we should be winning this game by year nine, ten points, realistically. And unfortunately, you know, the, the things that have happened in the last year, eh, there's not much optimism going to Portlaoise. Uh, they're probably optimistic and win the game but you know to go further down the track there's not much appetite for off football at the moment which is unfortunate Absolutely I mean and it's a pity in particular because you look at how the league ended and whatever about okay Wexford were in as bad a way as Offaly were so you know that, that game was you know neither team was in a good state going into that I was at the draw against Sligo and it felt like a point lost rather than a point won because they were yeah. in such a good position at half-time. 
But to go to Mullingar and win by six points and win by six points playing the way they did, you know, I mean, look, you're a Claremont, I'm a Forban man. Beating Westmead is always good in any yeah. circumstances. But, I mean, to, to do it like that was, was fantastic. And yet, everything that has happened since... I mean, you look at the, the the situation with Stephen Wallace and his suspension. You look at the controversy now over Keane Johnson. Does like, if you like, that saps the positive momentum out a little bit. Yeah, and everyone left Mullingar on the high that day. And look, let's be honest, and and you know, being frank about where we are, the Sligo game was as poor as you would see, and and Stephen was denied. You know, even in an interview I done with him after he was denied, and it didn't probably get to air that week because it was a bank call, it was the Monday that game was set on. And Midlands Bowling and Tree wouldn't have been coming live Monday, but his interview after, you know, it, it wasn't much of positivity, the same as the questions I asked him. And within the week, then we had a completely different mindset in Mullingar. Everything was great, and, you know, uh, it was a fantastic win. And I actually looked on the pitch in Mullingar that day after the win, and, and the players were hugging each other. And I said to myself, well, that's a great sign. Them lads deserve that because the effort put in. Now, we were very fortunate Westmead maybe hadn't anything to play for. If they did, that would have been a different ball game. I'm not saying we would have losing, but it would have been probably a lot tighter than what uh, was expected. But in fairness, midway through that National Football League, there was nothing more certain that Offaly was heading for Division 4. And in fairness, and credit has to be given to Stephen Wallace and his players, to get out and keep the Division 3 status was some achievement. And, you know, that was one of the brighter days ever, ever leaving Mullingar. And was, apart from beating Westmead, it was the fact that we stayed in Division 3 we weren't going down into play our Leeds, London's, Wicklow's, Waterford's, Limerick's, and that's no disrespect to them. It just gives these players that are going to enter the panel next year a little bit of life, you know. Mm. Oh, well, absolutely. I mean, look, I think results over the last few years would suggest that Offaly are a Division Three team. That is the standard we're at. I mean, the, you know, it, it didn't, it, things didn't go particularly well this year, but you would be hopeful that some of the guys that opted not to be involved this year, I know the likes of Brian Darby and Niall McNamee, they've retired, that's fair enough. But there's plenty of other footballers who are at the peak of their powers, you know, and, and you know they'd add an awful lot if they got back involved. But in terms of the Stephen Wallace suspension, now again, I'm, I'm, I'm leaning on your own rules expertise yeah, here. Yeah. Talk to me about exactly what a man who is suspended in a managerial capacity, what can he do and what can't he do, say, in the in the leading up to the match and on the day itself in Port Leash? Yeah, well, I'll just give people a little bit of background that might be 100% aware. Obviously, there was an incident in an intermediate game that Stephen was obviously... Um, we're not sure whether he was selected, but he was at the game, and mm. he wasn't actually reported by the referee on the day. It was when video evidence... Obviously, the referee on the day had in his report that officials from both sides contribute to a, a, a melee, we say. So when they went and investigated the video footage, Stephen Wallace, along with a number of other people... Uh, got suspensions over. Stephen then, which is entitled to look for to appeal it, and mm. then it went to a hearings committee, which was upheld just lately. So, what happens there is, when you get more than a month suspension in the GA, if you get eight weeks plus, you're automatically suspended from GA activities, which really curtails you. You're not allowed to be inside the barriers of you know to train a team in particular. Number one, be at matches, but it'd be like the Davy Fitzgerald situation. He will be allowed to be in a dressing room. He um, and I was just well, you know, we were wondering about this. Will Offaly warm up, which they probably will anyway, out in the other training pitch in Port Leash, if they were successful there when they play um, Dublin in Tullamore, if they were successful, he he's allowed out the back, you know, in the warm up area there. So he's really curtailed. So I presume Stephen Wallace will be up 
in the stand in, in Port Leash, that's for certain. Obviously, the radio communication with Lee Sheehan will be working and Billy will be taking the reins for the day. So that's really what happens. He's not supposed to be at any training sessions. Now, for someone to police that and for someone to go and take a photo or a camera to say that Stephen Mullis is an awfully training, obviously in the faithful fields, anyone, it's an open area, mm. so... But if it was a bigger, higher-profile county, I'd say someone might pay a hating it because it's awfully maybe in football. I don't think anyone's going to go with a video or a, a camera and take a photo of Stephen Wallace and off his friend. But realistically, he's not entitled to be at that, you know. Yeah, yeah, I, I think that's you know, and you're 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 uh, planting planting some seeds in the idea of some freelance journalist yeah, yeah. for a game. Now you're talking. <laughs> yeah, yeah, and you know, but really, he won't be on the line, and and, and if the beat Wicklow, he won't be on the line again Dublin either. But that shouldn't. He will have his few words with the players in the dressing room before the leave, and he will be involved in the warm up and all that. So it's just the training sessions. He's not technically supposed to be there. He'd be like David Fitzgerald. He will be at them. The dogs in the street know that. It'd be like managers not being paid. Of course, to be paid, but we can't prove it. So. It's one of these situations of the year. That's what that's what will happen, you know. Absolutely, absolutely. <laughs> and then we had the we had the the other controversy. Then is surrounding Keen Johnson this week. Um, you know that what seems to be the big controversy here. It's not that a decision was taken. I mean, certainly people will have their own opinions on whether or not Keen would be better served playing under twenty or playing senior football this summer. More to the point, it's the fact that we're so close to a championship game against Wicklow and it seems to be almost like it's news to the player himself. I mean, that yeah. that has to be hugely disappointing. Yeah, and what has happened here at Congress going back when the under-20 was formed, it was up then to each county to decide what they do with the players. So, you know, there's a couple of examples here, like uh, Kerry made a nearly mm. call that David Clifford would be playing just for an example and of course mm. everyone talk about Clifford because he's so good but Clifford was but uh, another player, they have another player as well O'Shea I think is in the same I have that's right yeah, yeah. You know. but they've decided early on right they're going to be playing senior for Kerry in, in, in 2018 and that, that's fine uh, other counties would have left it the reason being, obviously, this and leave it is, is what I'm, I'm finding out and being told is when it was passed in September. Like, and we can, you know, if people are, you know, this is exactly what happened. That obviously wouldn't have known back last September that King Johnson or maybe three or four more lads, would, this was going to happen. And so they said to stick to the age group. So if we had five good under 20s and were on the senior team, well, then they had leaped under 20 team nearly with nobody or, you know, the top mm. five players because we wouldn't have the pool of players. So at the time in September when that was passed and won, I'd say everyone didn't pay much heed to it or it passed. So it's only come to light now, you know, really when... Um, and Declan Kelly was always under the impression now, the under 20 manager, that Keen Johnson was playing with him because he mm. probably knew the rule and he knew his past. But I think Stephen Wallace uh, says to Declan Kelly that he'd like to have him for a few Auburn Cups and league games and, and give him a bit of experience. And it was really then when numbers became tight in the last, you know, a while that he, he decided that, you know, he knew Keane Johnson's good enough to play a senior football. But I think Stephen Wallace knew deep down, but would sent in a letter last week to the county board could uh, release Keane Johnson. And unfortunately for him, no one backed his letter or no one seconded it. And um, that left it very clear, look, that the rule that was there in September uh, would, would stand. Now, it could have been changed if we had to get a proposal for his letter and a second and his proposal for a vote. So mm. that, that's where that really is, to give anyone, you know, a, a base. It, it's unfortunate for King Johnson. We probably, and I think, you know, definitely the county board maybe here, Tommy Warren, and he probably did, but definitely young Johnson should have been told five and six weeks ago, look, King, just a reminder, you know, you can't play a senior, you know. 
to, for to come out, and he's so frustrated because he wants to play. And you know, it's a it's a stupid rule. Let's be honest about it. It's a stupid, stupid rule. Keen Johnson's well able to play under twenty. He's definitely well able to play as senior. You know, and it's mm. it's a terrible enforcement situation, and it's nasty, and it it leaves a, a sour taste going to to Port Leash. Now I know we've beaten well, it's meeting a few teams in the league without Keen Johnson, but he's definitely get to three points again with you any day of the week, and you know we need everybody. Yeah, well, I think that's there's no question. Look, that if, if there's 21 footballers going to feature against Wicklow, that on current form and ability, yes, Key and Johnson is one of those 21. I, I, I'm a little conflicted in this, in that I I do see the reason why, you know, I I'm not a big. I, I think a huge issue with fixtures in the GA is the amount of crossover and players eligible for to play for four and five and six different teams, and it causes a huge problem. So I personally have no huge issue with the concept of either you're under 20, which at the end of the day is meant to be a developmental competition, or you're senior. And then it is for the county board to say, OK, you can be one or you can be the other, you know, but, yeah. and, uh, you know, and, but to try and enable those competitions to keep going that you play both. Mm. I suppose where I'm a little thrown is that, I mean, and, and again, I'm going to put your chairman's hat on you for a moment. As a club chairman or a county chairman, you select a manager to look after your team. Are you? Should it not really be that manager's call then what to do with the players at their disposal? In the sense that, like, if you're in Clara and you give, like, you know, Darren Kelly the the, the nod, say, okay, you're in charge of our senior footballers. Well, it's is it? It's probably it's probably up to him then to select the best footballers that are available to him. Surely. Yeah, yeah, and I probably you're 100. percent I think where the problem has occurred is that going back to September when it was, uh, people would have said, "Look, we get this sorted now that we're Declan Kelly and Stephen Wallace won't be at loggerheads come two weeks before the championship over the players that they both know who to have." Now, as we says, unfortunately, so many lads are not playing with Offaly at the moment. Then that leaves numbers tight, and it leaves the likes of King Johnson. Even the likes of King Farrell would be good enough nearly, who's playing well with Eden Derry, and a few more lads of the under-20. But I think why the county board's thinking, in my opinion, now, and I could be wrong, and they might correct me whenever I meet them or whatever, but that, that wouldn't happen the two weeks before a game that Stephen Wallace and Declan Kelly wouldn't be at loggerheads over five or six players. Now, at the same time, it's only really one or two now, one really in particular. But... Um, I would have, if that had to go to a vote or a night and people had time to think about it, the, the problem was his own club didn't even, you know, maybe second that or mm. Stephen Wallace hadn't someone primed from, from one of the clubs to look, will you tell him what's true? But then that would be a sore point for Declan Kelly. And look, come back to my last point on this maybe is that I just don't know where this under 20 fits into the calendar. It's the same with club. Um, I just don't know where you fit in under 20 or 21, even in, in club fixtures. So, uh, and, and one last thing when you said to me about chairman's hat yeah you're right I'd be leaving it to the managers but if there was five or six lads involved you take Wexford have 11 mm-hmm. involved so I don't know what they're doing but we know again in the play leash this Saturday night what's going to happen but it, it's an awkward one and uh, you know there's no winners in this it, 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 there's just no winners in it which is the unfortunate part you know mm, absolutely absolutely and I think kind of it, and I know the fact that the decision was taken last September means that this wasn't factored into it, but it's quite possibly the case too that some are looking at it and they're saying, well, regardless of what happens against Wicklow, like our Leinster Championship campaign is not going to go, is not going to last 
out beyond May because you know mm-hmm. the, under no circumstances is off is an awfully football team going to be Dublin as things stand. Whereas on the other hand, you look at an under twenty championship and they're drawn into a group with Carlo and Loud, yeah. and there's probably a sense of well, geez, there's actually an opportunity to go on a little bit of a run here. You know mm-hmm. that they've stayed away from the teams that you would expect to be strong. Now I know Loud had a very capable minor team last year. You know they'll they'll be no pushover or anything like it. But at the same time, I mean there's probably a sense of opportunity there at under twenty, and and similarly even from a development point of view for for Keane Johnson, I mean you go out against Wicklow, which is a poor county team which are clearly in disarray, and then you go out against Dublin and you mightn't get a ball. So yeah. you know, if you like, yeah. from a development from a development point of view, he probably is better off playing under twenty. Yeah, and, and you can see why that rule is brought in, and maybe it's something that should be looked at. Maybe that it goes to under nineteen, and, and that's just like because the theory is there is a lot of lads not playing on even in their late twenties in the GA for the simple reason the commitment levels is that, and maybe they want to curtail the under twenties to develop them a little bit more before they play a senior, and that life you know expectancy nearly to play inter county football or club gets that little bit higher. Because at the moment, I'd say any inter-county team, their average age, I'd say maybe 23, 24, roughly like that. Now, mm. An odd county, then it might go to 25 or 6. But I can see their theory originally that they were trying to develop players at under-20 level before the played senior. Roscommon be another one that would have a couple but have gone down the road of they're going to use them as under-20. They're not playing them on the senior yeah, team. Yeah, well, I, I'd, I'd, be f- I'd be familiar with the Roscommon scene now. And to be honest... Mm. They're really, again, they're really only down to one guy at this stage. Yeah, that's right. You know, one or two, Brian, I heard. Yeah. Brian Stack is kind of the main one there. Other than mm. that, they don't really have an awful lot of crossover. Um, you know, sorry, sorry, yeah. I, I forget. Uh, one, uh, Kieran Lennon has come into the has come into the equation. He wouldn't have been expected to feature at the start of the year, but yeah, you know, but it's it, but it is the same story that these guys, but as well too, Roscommon are in a very different situation in the sense that they can play. The, a good chunk of their under 20 before they have a meaningful game because at the end of the day Roscommon are going to beat Leitrim and they're going to be in a Connacht final whereas you know Offaly's championship could be long over by that point Yeah and it, it, look it's a PEDs it's the games they're playing like you know I don't think Declan Kelly would have a huge problem if, if Keane Johnson played Sunday and he can play with him no problem mm. you know and these lads you know whatever about the training common sense then is prevail when you're training you don't have to train with both or you, you, you rotate when you're training with under 20 from the senior like you know you just wonder sometimes where the GA you know where we're going or what rules we're thinking of or you know this this whole burnout issue really is in January and February when it's given Cup and Seekerson Cup and it's under 20 and it's club and it's national football league this is not an issue for May or June like that's the, my reading of it and you know anyone that wants to play a senior that's good enough should be playing senior and they should be playing under 20 mm. so hopefully it'll be changed in the coming year whether it is or not you know remains to be seen absolutely absolutely mm. final word what's going to happen in Portage? Um look I expect Offaly to win this game look let's be honest about it Nigel Dunn and Bernard Allen are two fine forwards Peter Cunningham mm. uh, Mickey Brazel Anton Sullivan Keane Donoghue uh, even David Dempsey has slotted in Awfully have a way more better quality player than Wicklow have. Um, the only worry is that if the Wicklow come back and start defending numbers like Sligo did, and this comes into a sort of cross-field game like uh, Sligo, we could be in a little bit of bother. The, what happened again with Westmead is awfully like quick, fast ball to the forwards. That's the bottom line. If this comes down to Wicklow has 13 or 14 players across the pitch, 
and we don't get ahead of them early on. We could be in a bit of bother, but I'd expect Offaly, and you know, Owen Carr would probably see 20 minutes as well. I expect Offaly to win this game five or six, seven points, provided Wicklow are going start defending with 13 or 14 behind the ball, and let's hope they don't because it's just unbearable to look at and number two it's impossible to comment on <laughs> <So>. <laughs> there, there's, there's an angle that the casual yeah, they never give thought to the commentator and the difficulty <laughs> they never did to the referee or the commentator so look <laughs> let, let's hope it's a game of football I just hope that don't start just dropping back in huge numbers you know and uh, because all you get very hard to break down teams like that you know mm. and when we're, we're meeting teams and playing one on one whereas you know as I said we've good forwards but I'd be worried if we could cut back a whole lot of people. And under John Evans, look, I mean, you wouldn't know what to do. But the Hatton, Leighton Glenn and David Hayden and you know, the Johnson fellow the captain. And after that, you know, they're, they're not they're not world beaters. As we said, the true with Waterford in the National Football League and the true with Antrim. So, look, as I said, it, this is a disaster if Offaly doesn't win this game on Sunday and win it by a few points, you know. Yeah, yeah. I, I suppose, look, my, my, my final word on this is that I would look at them and I'd say, Footballer for footballer, awfully are much better. Yeah, Just yeah. We, they don't always. It's it's fair to say that this team they haven't answered some of the questions about their ability to deliver on their potential consistently. And more to the point, in a game like that where there's a little bit of game management involved to show the maturity and the experience to kind of do the right thing under pressure. I mean, there was plenty of chances to close out and win that. Uh, Sligo game similarly we look at Westmead and O'Connor Park last year you know until a team until they come through a game like that those questions will still be there we know they can play well in in an open free flowing game and to be fair John Evans past history would suggest he would do that now I'd be lying if I said I had seen Wicklow in action this year but um, mm, yeah, his past but... experience would suggest he will do that. So I'm 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 kind of in that. Uh, I I I wouldn't rule out that we could win it very very well. But if we're not if we're not if we don't win it by seven or eight, I would I, I'm wary about our ability to win it by two. Let's put it that way. Yeah, that's right. Yeah, and look, I I suppose the final point. I think it's a bit of a disaster. It's the dawn for the even you know for the Dubs to come to town the 27th of May. Would give awfully lift. Apart from the GA terms, of the businesses in Tullamore, the train station in and out, the buzz, the atmosphere. You know, we haven't seen much in Tullamore uh, nearly since the FLA. <laughs> you know, an occasion like that in Dublin to bring huge crack and momentum and nice levels to Tullamore. It'd be a sellout because they'll definitely bring fourteen or fifteen thousand, and it should be you know the same from. Well, I'm going to say the same from Offaly. That's not going to happen. But it'd be two or three thousand from Offaly. But it'd be just a great occasion if Dublin came to town because everyone would want to see Dublin play in a Tullamore, you know, they're the best team we've seen in the last number of years and the quality they have, uh, you know, so it'd be a big sort of a carnival atmosphere if they could, if Offaly could win at the weekend and get Dublin in Tullamore, it'd be a great lift for everyone in the county, you know. Absolutely, absolutely. Well, look, yeah. we always like to finish on a positive note and it doesn't come more positive than that. Brian, thanks <laughs> yeah. usually Hat for your flags time. and headbands, Kevin. Hats, and Kevin. And- <laughs> And the boys singing on the on the bridge there in Tullamore, the two lads there, and uh, collecting the money. Sure, look, it'd be great if they do come to town. So we'll, we'll wait and see, Sergio. Absolutely. Well, sure, look, we, we'll, yeah. we'll, try and, uh, we'll try and have a chat to them. I'm sure they'll be in Port Leash as well. <laughs> Anywhere there's a train station, they're always quick to be yeah, found. So yeah. I'd say we'll see them in Port Leash on Sunday. We can have a chat yeah. and make sure they're booked. Molly Malone, yeah. <laughs> that's it, that's it. Asher, go on, we let them away. Yeah. I, I, remember, I remember giving out at you know, Connor Park at one stage when... Uh, I think it was um, I think it was Eamon Cusack was looking after the PA system and he started playing that god awful Wexford song and Wexford were hurling against us 
And I was saying, Jay, it's one thing for her to be out on the street now, but for her to be playing opposition songs in her own stadium. Uh, here, <laughs> yeah, yeah. Can't, be, can't be a dad carry on. Brian, yeah. thanks so much for your time, and we'll talk to you again oh. very soon. Thanks, Kevin. Thank you. Cheers. And that's it for this week. Once again, my thanks to all you listeners. It's been great to have you on board. Looking forward to seeing you on the terraces, whether that is in Portly, whether that's in Portleash on Sunday or in O'Connor Park tomorrow night. It'd be great to have you on board and hopefully we'll get the results we're looking for. The Offaly footballers will do what we all expect and hope that they will do against Wicklow and advance to a quarter final against Dublin. And let's hope that there might be a little bit of a surprise in store in Tullamore tomorrow evening. I think we all expect a good performance, but hey, look, it's not good performances we were reared on. It's awfully people we are after all. We've never shied in the face of uh, insurmountable odds before and there's no point starting now. Let's bring it on. All the best.